trains that went through here once. The blooming mushroom bellowing smoke, caught in grainy black and white photographs, framed and hung in town halls. The track beds are gone now, buried under season after season of the brown and red and orange and yellow. Goodbye notes from the canopy above. My boy is with me, the cuffs of his banded sweatpants wet with dew as he hurriedly shuffles through the fallen leaves kicking them like wading through shallow water. I cannot let him get too far ahead of me. He has lit off into these woods before, maybe two years ago now. But I let him rejoice, delight in those few extra steps, the untetheredness of it all. I used to drag my feet through the leaves, too, feeling mighty as they moved aside in my gait. I didn't want to talk about the leaves. Save that to the amateur poets of Vermont, their fountain pens writing phrases like burnt umber before crossing them out, and then ultimately surrendering to them. Let the peepers, the retirees, come with their cameras and drink our ciders and pick our apples. Fall to me as shadows, their thinness, their shifting angles. Autumn lays the light low, causes the shadows to anemically crawl across the grass, the streets, the abandoned railway beds, their blackness made gray. I'm 18, first semester in college. I'm waiting on the subway platform, pigeons pirouetting across the protective spikes along the tops of signs, the station walls. The train car roars into the station and they scatter, unaware of the cyclical nature of train schedules or just desperate for a little more time, holding on until the last possible second. My friends have all opted to study far away, explore new places and people. I am a commuter. I ride the train. I wake each morning to an empty house, no longer on the schedule of the high school bell. My classes are in the late afternoons, the sun already fallen in the sky, hugging the horizon like a drunkard, a hallway railing. The, the train takes me to the university, snaking through the outer suburbs of the city, tracing the shoreline of the harbor. I don't know how to fill my days. I drop by my alma mater one afternoon to visit my old teachers, my underclassmen compatriots, now seniors themselves. I am unwanted. A late joke told in a conversation recently turned somber. I don't belong anywhere. One day, I spend the early part of an afternoon seeking a small shopping mall I remembered from my youth. Near the neighborhood where my mother and father had grown up, we had gone there one fall day when I was ten my mother and aunt, my sisters and cousins. The Little Mermaid poster, Ariel perched on the rock, the surf roaring behind her, was racked up behind plexiglass. The walls were hard brown brick, the aesthetic of a long past time. Down the strip, I spied a Batman poster in the window, a comic book shop for sure. But the movie was due to start, our tickets already bought. I could imagine all the books in there that didn't exist elsewhere the way that magical things reside in places you aren't allowed. Although I felt I was too old for a Disney movie, I watched the film and was momentarily swept into it and away from the fever dream of mystery funny books, my grandmother's name for them, but aware of the extra dollar I had in my pocket, 
won during a card game with my grandmother. Evil was defeated, the prince got the girl, we left the theater, darkness all around. The shop lights out, the early night of autumn. I find it again eight years later. It's a triumphant feeling. I am Magellan in an 85 Chevy celebrity. I don't know the name, the address before I leave that morning, but here it is. I have more than a dollar, a working man now. And while I know now the difference between objects that are real and those that are only wished for, I am hopeful. There's still nothing like finding a comic book you haven't seen before, the hunt and the search, the smell of the offset ink on newsprint. The mall is a catacomb. Even the theater is closed. Elderly women mill about, but all I see are empty storefronts. It's a short ride to the train station. I sit in the empty car, a defiant sun shooting daggers through the buildings from just below the horizon line. I reach campus in time to see the last embers of twilight, like a fire a world away, casting diffuse pigments across the darkness. My class is in a building of hard brown brick, and I can see the reflections of streetlights of Morrissey Boulevard racking against the harbor. It'll be cold when class is over, but I didn't bring a jacket. I am 13 walking through the gray cold Sunday. My father's house, which I visit on weekends, is where I feel that grayness the most. We wander about the yard, peering over the chicken wire fence to the old trail in the woods. We pile leaves up and leap in them, but I am no longer a boy. The leaves are powerless and the cold ground is hard and unforgiving. I have three dollars I have saved and decide to walk into town. I grew up here. My father still lives here, but my mother moved my sisters and me one town over. I have friends there, but I'm like a cast member added in a later season. There is always an othering, I feel. And as I walk up Auburn, snake around Harvard, kicking leaves up as I go, I realize I'm a stranger now here too. It's cold without the sun. I buy my Swamp Thing comic, slide the brown paper bag under my arm, 75 cents still in my pocket. The coffee shop is next door. A hot chocolate can warm my throbbing fingers and lose the change I'm holding on to. At the counter is a boy I played Foursquare with when I was nine, a lifetime ago. We were friends, even. Our eyes meet and he nods in recognition. But four years is a million years. We are like old sea turtles now, bowing our heads slowly as we wait upon the rock. There is no climbing down, no swimming the currents. I nod in return, then walk back in the gray, and when I get home, my cheeks are flushed red with cold. I'm 16, come in from the cold. There's no more walking alone. We are always inside each other's houses, on the phone in each other's ears. We band together and build a family because we're 16 and we can't stand our own. We watch movies, we lay under blankets, our reaction to the receding warmth that is fading fast from everywhere. Our bodies close, our hands grazing. She's my best friend's best friend. This is her house, her TV, it's even her blanket. David Bowie on the stereo, we're strangers when we meet. David Bowie on the screen, the Goblin King. When we're young, our friendship seems so pure and utilitarian. Now it is a blood pact, but my hand isn't letting go of her friend's hand. Summer's over. We're all just trying to stay warm. I'm 24. We haven't spoken in seven years. I have a number handed down from a friend from a friend from a friend. The trees are bare etchings against the purple sky, but it's mild enough to wear a t-shirt, and I scratch my bare arms as I dial the number. Her voice is familiar yet distant. We were friends once, best friends, but time has passed. Seasons change. We fall away.
I'm 19 years old, my breath hanging about me. The nights are getting chill. She's a girl I knew a lifetime ago, seemingly lost in the shuffle of growing up, moving out. She was my best friend's girl then. I dreamt of her when we were young, when we ran along country roads in the hazy heather of summer heat, and then I awoke and she stumbled through my door. Synchronicity, kismet. Now I stand outside her apartment building, the jack-o'-lanterns we carved together on the ledge of her second-story window. I'm not ready to say goodnight, but there's only so much time you can stand on someone's front stoop saying goodnight. I turn to walk down the steps because walking down the steps is the only thing to do at the end of the evening, the night air cold enough to capture your breath. And she drops down, grabs me from behind and holds me there. It's just a moment to make a moment last a little longer. I reach up and squeeze her arm, wrapped around my chest. It's just a moment. I'm 20, sitting on the seawall with the shop teacher's daughter. She's brought a blanket and we are wrapped close together, leaning against the stone, our teeth chattering. There's a storm offshore and our faces are wet with ocean spray as the waves crash against the wall. Her hair under my nose, inexplicably, smells of cinnamon. It's hurricane season. The shoreline is empty but for the two of us. Maybe we're feeling reckless or daring or perhaps this is just the eye. A moment of calm in the chaos, the maelstrom. Maybe we'll never get this moment back. Neither wants to admit how cold we're getting, and so eventually we wordlessly fold up the blanket, back at, get back in the car, and drive away. I'm 21, atop the great blue hill with somebody else's daughter. We stand in the stone lookout tower, the city splayed beneath us. It's cold here, too. There's a pregnant moment here in the dark, the moon obscured. She makes fun of my stocking cap, then challenges me to a race down the hill. I can feel the approaching winter in the bones of my feet, but I have no choice. Gravity does most of the work. I'm 22, outside a Chinese restaurant, and we kiss for the first time. It's only now just cold enough to be able to see each other's breath. I'm 23, 3,000 miles from home. We're sitting in a bus station waiting for my number to be called to board. She sits beside me like I'm not leaving forever because it's probably just more comfortable to sit that way. I'll be home in time for Halloween, I tell her, looking at my ticket. You miss daylight savings time, she replies. Your trip is an hour longer than you think. If only that extra hour could be spent here with you, I think. But she's already moved on. Someone funny looking in the bus terminal. It's a so long, not a farewell, as I kiss her again and get on the bus. Inexplicably, unbidden, part of your world winds its mermaid melody through my mind as it pulls from the depot. We fall in love. We fall out. I'm three years old, plastic Captain America costume, orange pumpkin basket in hand. My sister is a witch. We sit in my mother's arms. The house lights of Clinton Road, my parents' old neighborhood, shine for us. I'm nine years old, dressed in a yellow radiation suit, carrying a briefcase smeared with day-glow slime. The lights are out on Auburn Street. The dogs are barking, warning me away. I'm 15 years old, back on the street after years away. My friends and I prowl Washington Street, doors open with disappointment. Nobody wants us now. The world welcomes us when we are small, marvels at our first uncertain steps, smiles at our outstretched hands, fills our bucket with bounty. It's a feeling we recognize well, in each closed door is a microcosm of how we feel at home, at school, in our own bodies. We have been warned and embraced, but now, too restless for nests, too feather bare to fly, we teeter on the edge of our branches. We fall out of favor. I'm five years old, climbing aboard our yellow school bus. 
My mother and father wave at me through the window. I can feel the rumblings of the transmission, the roaring on the tires against the paved road in my feet. I slide back and forth along the faux leather seats as the bus takes the wide turn. No seatbelt. I've never felt so set loose, so untethered. I'm six, on the same bus. Only my mother waves goodbye. My father is somewhere else now. Soon no one will wave goodbye to me. Soon I'll be alone. I'm 17, still in my stage makeup from the closing night of the senior play. My father tells me our cat, Mr. Jones, has disappeared. It's only November, but there's already ice on water, potentially a bridge to the lands beyond our land. He's a good cat, eight years old, quiet and gentle, but a mouser. He's too gentle, too good to be gone. I stand out in the moonlight, patting my way through the slushy swamp, calling his name, pledging to search all night. But it's already past one in the morning. My feet are cold and aching, and it's easy to break a promise to a cat. So I go back inside. I'm 30, unpacking boxes on Clinton Road, my grandmother's old home, now ours. Mine and my fiancé. It's a muggy Halloween, a fine mist hanging over the neighborhood, steam resting against the storm door. She waits for the revelers, the trick-or-treaters. I feel the enormous weight of it all, of being an adult, of taking care of a home, of being the head of a family. I feel doubt as certain an amorphous as mist descend upon me. I'm 32, packing up our belongings in those same boxes. I've held our family together, now a wife, a son on the way. But the larger family that blossomed from this house, built by my grandfather's hands, by my great-great-grandfather's hands, is now splintered apart, this plot of land at the heart of the fracture. I've done all I think I can to hold it together, but I'm tired. I'm giving up. I'm loosening the strings from my grip, letting the kite soar or fall where they may. I've spent my life in this house. My father spent his life in this house. I feel like it's my job responsibility to shore up its walls, to keep its foundation secure. But I'm not the man I imagine myself to be. It is easier to walk away. We fall short. Each spring arrives with such promise, new blossoms and flower beds, bright verdant green against vibrant blue skies. We kick the sand and the surf each summer, mow our lawns ceaselessly to fight back the unyielding grass and its growth. We spit courageously at nightfall, assured in its weak and fetal tableau. But each autumn, each fall takes us from us a little bit more. The reminder that everything will one day be taken from us. That each bloom may be the final bloom. Each tree lets drop its final leaf. I am now back on that trail, keeping pace with my boy as he marches determinedly through these woods. Thirty-eight years I've walked this trail, trod upon the season's leavings, pressing them flat to the earth. He carries with him Superman, 12 inches high, red cape flagging behind him as we run. There's a photo, four decades gone. My mother holds me, only eight weeks old, the light fading behind her. It's her last day of maternity leave, and she and my father walked out into this trail with me for one last day, one last brilliant autumn day together, before she, to put me, she is to put me in other's hands. It's another ending, right? A coda to a short paradise in time. But the planets spin... Things grow older. Turn, turn, turn. In his excitement, my boy throws Superman into a creek. You will believe a man can fly. The creek is wide and feeds into a tunnel that runs under the trail, a reminder that these were once train tracks, regardless of the years of all that has fallen and laid between then and now. The support under the train tracks, 
that hold them up over rivers and ravines and creeks is called a trestle. That's our name. My father, my boy and me. I watch the toy spin on the water's surface toward the tunnel. I cannot let go of my boy. He will fire off into these woods so fast I could never catch him. But neither can I let his toy go. I pull him down the incline towards the water's edge, clasping tightly to his hand. Searching for a stick or branch, I find the trunk of a fallen tree. Small enough I can hold it in one hand. I am so close to falling into the creek, my feet slipping beneath this cursed wet leaves. But the dead tendrils at the end of the tree let the cape get snarled in them, and like Santiago, I slowly, painfully reel it in. It's only mid-afternoon, but the light is already parallel to the ground. You're never far from darkness this time of year. I snatch a Superman from the water and give him a shake, but his cape is still wet. I allow, I allow myself a moment of belief in my own heroism, but my boy doesn't care. He takes hold of him again and cradles him to his chest. You shouldn't throw him like that, I want to explain. However, his understanding is limited, and I cannot remain angry. So I lead him back to the path, and I hold him close, crook my finger under his arm to hear his laugh in these brave woods. We fall together. If I can do nothing else, I can do this. Allow him another season free from the knowledge that some things lost do not return to us, are gone forever. Forever.